Today we, uh, we turn to a sermon that I've entitled, Pedestals Prohibited, Stop Trusting in People. Pedestals Prohibited, Stop Trusting in People. That's basically a paraphrase of God's word to us in Isaiah chapter 2, verse 22, which declares one of the key commands in all of Scripture. The ESV translates Isaiah 2.22 as stop regarding man in whose nostrils is breath, for of what account is he? The Holman Christian Bible, uh, Standard Bible, expands that to say put no more trust in man who has only the breath in his nostrils, in other words, presently in his nostrils. He's not gonna last. That's the expanded application of this verse. What is he really worth? What is man really worth? And the NIV has a good application translation. Stop trusting in mere humans who have but a breath in their nostrils. Why hold them in esteem. The mantra of the Renaissance, which has played itself out in various permutations and developments and deconstructions all the way into our post-modern world in which we live in the 21st century, that motto is man the measure of all things. I'll, I'll be returning to that motto probably throughout this series as we continue to look at uh, God's message through the prophet Isaiah. And of course, I've already been talking about this in Wednesday night Bible study, uh, reminding you of the juxtaposition and the basic tension in all of world history between the city of man, the city of man's glory, and the city of God. We've talked about that, how that theme runs all the way from the opening chapters of Genesis all the way through the Bible. You've tracked with me on Wednesday nights. All of this is, of course, coming to bear as we continue to look at God's word in Isaiah. Man is made for glory, but not his own glory, for God's glory. Our chief end is not to glorify ourselves, but to glorify God. And man is glorious only in relationship to God under God. Man is made in the likeness and image of God. Man does not make himself in his own image. So, pedestals prohibited. Stop trusting in people. I say all that to go ahead and frame the message for you today. I am going to speak briefly at the introduction of the main sermon now about a few political things after we turn to the scripture, but I'm not talking about our present politics primarily. This is not a partisan political message. This is a message about theology and about how we are called to be faithful to God. So let's pray to the Lord and then we'll turn to Isaiah chapter two, and I will read a few verses from Isaiah chapter two. O Lord, in you alone is true glory, 
and your glory fills the heavens and the earth. May we, Lord, let go of ourselves and our trust in ourselves and other people and trust only in you as we turn to your word because your word alone gives life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So from Isaiah chapter 2, first verses 11 and 12, and then verse 22. The haughty looks of man shall be brought low, and the lofty pride of men shall be humbled. And the Lord, Yahweh, alone will be exalted in that day. For Yahweh Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts, has a day against all that is proud and lofty and against all that is lifted up and it shall be brought low. And then verse 22. Stop regarding man in whose nostrils is breath. For of what account is he? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Friends, the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God will stand forever. Amen. Thomas Jefferson said, the government you elect is the government you deserve. Joseph de Mesla said, every country has the government it deserves. H.L. Minken, who was not a Christian, pretty tough dude, uh, journalist, put it more bluntly, people deserve the government that they get and they deserve to get it good and hard. In his speech Thursday night promoting his signing of the $2 trillion Economic Recovery Act, President Joe Biden touted his own leadership in moving the nation ahead towards vaccinations for COVID-19. The president told us uh, that most of us will be receiving some money um, and that if we do our part over the next few months, families may be allowed to gather together for July 4th barbecues to celebrate Independence Day. Neither the Economic Recovery Act nor these promised rewards won the support of everyone who voted for President Biden, though. The pro-life Evangelicals for Biden group issued a statement castigating President Biden because there's money in the $2 trillion bill that will now directly fund abortions from the federal government. That is a sea change that should not go unnoticed by those of us who believe in the sanctity of human life. Um, although I know there's been a lot of peripheral support that leads to abortions 
this is a sea change in a long-standing policy of the federal government not to directly fund aborting uh, babies. Uh, th this this uh, was viewed as going too far by the pro-life evangelicals for Biden. Uh, they made a statement, as pro-life leaders in the evangelical community, we publicly supported President Biden's candidacy with the understanding that there would be engagement with us on the issue of abortion and particularly the Hyde Amendment. We feel used and betrayed. Now, much under the radar, uh, you won't see much coverage of this issue, but perhaps as much or more significant uh, was the fact that nine days ago, President Biden fired Sharon Gustafson, uh, who was general counsel to the economic, to the uh, equal Employment Opportunity Commission, the EEOC. Sharon Gustafson has been a remarkably successful bipartisan or nonpartisan uh, government lawyer who has supported religious liberty. And as general counsel with the EEOC, she has been remarkably effective over the last few years in protecting religious liberties against other agendas, not only for Christians, but also for Jews, Sikhs, Muslims, Hindus. But her firing by the new administration sent another signal that, that this administration is prioritizing other expressions and rights, such as the LGBTQ plus interest and in agendas over religious-based expression and rights. All this is from a man who, during his campaign, said he was the one who could save the soul of America. To make this very clear, though, I do not intend this sermon introduction to be politically partisan, as I said earlier. And let me remind you that I've previously spoken to prophetic concerns about former President Trump's self-aggrandizement, his narcissism, and also calling out false prophets who assured us he would be in office uh, right now, and fawning preachers who seem to fall all over themselves, assuring us of his supposed moral purity. You could say, well, you're picking on presidents today. Okay, I don't have time for this, but there are a whole lot of governors we could talk about in further discussion, beginning, of course, with New York's governor, Andrew, Andrew Cuomo, but I'm not going to do that right now. The point is to bring us back to God's word, which says pedestals are prohibited. Stop trusting in people. In Matthew chapter 23, verses 9 through 12, we read the words of Jesus. Jesus says, and call no man your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. Neither be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Christ. The greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Bringing us back to Isaiah 2:22. Stop trusting in mere humans who have but the breath that's presently in their nostrils. Why would you hold them in esteem? 
pedestals are prohibited. Stop trusting in people, whether it's presidents, governors, the Speaker of the House, the minority leader, whoever you're into, I mean, whomever you're into, false prophets, popular preacher types, religious leader types, parachurch leaders, people who lead ma major mega ministries, but it turns out also own massage parlors and lead a shadow life, but everybody just fawns all over them too. God keeps saying, are you actually interested in what I have to say instead of your religious and your political stars? Stop trusting in them and looking to them on your pedestal. Stop making idols of people. Everyone has a choice. We all get the choice. Every family chooses. Every family leader chooses. Every nation chooses. And people choose not so much just based on what we do. I don't know when we deign to show up at church or say a prayer here or there. It's the way we actually live and allocate our passions, our property, our priorities. Where and how and in whom we bank our hope, our money, our connections, our plans for the future. You trust in God or you can trust in people and their politics and people's planning and people's promises. It's your choice. Every family gets to choose, every nation chooses and you will get what you deserve. <laughs> the, the God keeps saying it's a big theme in the Bible and it runs through Isaiah and definitely Isaiah two and three. What you sow, you will reap. Exalt God or exalt your heroes. In God we trust or in us we trust. Your, your choice. Are your preferred presidents, politics, and parties your passions and priorities or is the Prince of Peace? You go with the wisdom and the ways of the world which God says will be exposed as foolishness. Apostle Paul talks a lot about this. You just start reading 1 Corinthians. Or you can go with God's wisdom and God's ways. The light of the Lord or our flashy lights. Well, God says that for those of us who will go with him, walk with the Lord, walk in the way of the Lord. For those who will be saved, there really is no choice, right? There, there is no choice. Pedestals are prohibited. Stop trusting in people. Stop regarding, having such high regard for people. All they've got is a little bit of breath in their nostrils and they are going to be dust. You can put their statues all over the place and take their statues down a few generations later, up and down. Who cares, God says. It's not, it's not about you guys. It's about you turning to me. And so we continue with uh, the opening chapters of the book of Isaiah. Last week, we looked at chapter 1. And of course, we opened with... Uh, Isaiah 1.1 with the uh, Kazon, 
that Isaiah sees, kazah, he sees the revelation and it is given to him from God. And it leads, as we saw, into not good news. There's good news down the road. Isaiah is talking about latter things and things that are going to happen. But the immediate issue is the summons for a covenant lawsuit, a reeve brought on by God, the Lord God himself. Isaiah's revelation, we see this, we saw this in chapter 1, is about a summons for a covenant lawsuit against God's covenant people, Israel, and related to that really, a parent's complaint against selfish, arrogant children. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 2, Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. You're my witnesses, you're my jury, obedient sun, obedient heavens, obedient earth. You do what I say, you follow my order. But these people, these children that I've made in my own image, and even Israel, and even Judah, and Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Zion, which is supposed to be the bride for my son, are totally disobedient. Hear, O heavens, give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. Children I have reared and brought up, but they have rebelled against me. And we saw the disposition last week. Dumber than donkeys, rebel children will die. The donkey knows how to get to the manger. The donkey knows that the master feeds him. But people don't get that. Yet Zion will be redeemed. Zion shall be redeemed. Uh, we continue today with uh, looking at some verses that track with a passage or a larger passage of Scripture that really runs um, from 2.5 or 2.6, Isaiah chapter 2, verses 5 or 6, uh, all the way through what Reed finishes up on, uh, Isaiah chapter 4, verse 1. The chapters aren't marked out very cleanly. Remember, I told you the chapters get added way, way later in medieval times. Um, we're going to return to the first four verses of chapter 2. That's talking about um, latter days. What Zion, what Jerusalem and Judah should be and ultimately will be. And there's a bridge verse, an exhortation, an imperative, a command. Come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Come and let us walk in the light of the Lord. That's verse 5. 4, and then, and then we get into the continuation of the disposition of the covenant lawsuit. Uh, there, there, are two, there are two key verses that are bridge verses in this larger passage. Verse 5 and verse 22. I'm highlighting for you today. Um, verse 22, and you can track with it that, that the, those bridge verses flow from what precedes them. And then you have in Hebrew, it's called key. The, the word is key for, because, and, and you move on. So I, I'm focusing on the bridge verse that is in the middle of the bad news of 2, verse 6, all the way through chapter 4, verse 1. So 2.22 responds to everything we've read in 2.5 and 2.6 following, and then says 4 and moves us into the further 
destruction and demise and humiliation that Reed read us about uh, from chapter 3, verse 1 through 4, 1. All of this is digging into the fact that we are self-delusional and suicidal in our sin. And even God's chosen people, even in those days, the people of Judah and Jerusalem, even in our day, people who are Christian or who would call themselves Christian are as much or more susceptible than the unbelievers into falling into the traps of trusting in the ways of the world and the stuff of the world, the superstitions of the world, the gold and silver of the world, the military power of the world, the idols of the world who are nothing, and the heroes of the world. So, chapter 2, verse, verses 11 and 12, the haughty looks of man shall be brought low, and the lofty pride of men shall be humbled, and the Lord alone will be exalted in that day. What day is that? That is the terrible and tremendous day of the Lord. What Isaiah is saying, and he's picking up on this, Isaiah and Amos developed this theme that runs through uh, the latter part of the Old Testament, which is there's the day of the Lord coming. You have your day right now, but your day's going to die really fast. And what you need to be focused on, people, is his day. Um, the haughty looks of man shall be brought low, and the lofty pride of men shall be humbled, and the Lord alone will be exalted on that day, the day of the Lord. Verse 12, for the Lord of hosts has a day against all that is proud and lofty, against all that is lifted up, and it shall be brought low. Uh, let's take a look at a little bit of this chapter and understand what is happening. Uh, just looking at this bridge verse, chapter 2, verse 5, O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord, or literally the, the, the imperative there is the come, and then, and, then, and then flowing off of that, the, the, the vav and the, the and, and let us walk in the light of the Lord. This introduces a theme that's going to be huge as we move through Isaiah, the light of the Lord. The nations are called to come to the light of the Lord in Israel and in Judah and at Zion. Under God's call to Abraham... Abraham's descendants are supposed to bring, are supposed to be a magnet in the promised land, bringing all nations to the light of the Lord. To understand that the Lord's ways are totally different, his wisdom is totally different. But what's happened is Judah and Jerusalem are just like all the nations. And so that's why that's that key verse. Again, we'll come back to what's supposed to be and what ultimately will be with Zion. And indeed, the magnet will, in fact, come because Jesus comes and Jesus will bring this about. But, but today, let's look at the transition into the reality, not the ideal, but the reality for Jerusalem in those days. 
uh, verse 6 and following, for you have rejected your people. This is the disposition, and it's not that the Lord has put this at play. The people have put this at play, and so the Lord, uh, the disposition of the lawsuit follows. For you have rejected your people, the house of Jacob. Why? Because they're full of things. If you hear me read through this, just catch that that term is over and over again, full. Because they are full of things from the east and of fortune tellers like the Philistines. And they strike hands with the children of foreigners. Their land is filled with silver and gold. Trust in silver and gold, come on. And there is no end to their treasures. They probably have storage facilities for all this stuff. I mean, it's awesome, all this stuff they've built up for themselves. There's no end to their treasures, and their land is filled with horses, and there's no end to their chariots. That's military terminology there. They're trusting in their military. That's what he's saying poetically there. And we got one more filling. Their land is filled with idols. Elalim sounds a lot like Elohim, but they're nothing. These little gods are nothing. Their land is filled with idols. They bow down to the work of their hands, to what their own fingers have made. So what happens? So man is humbled and each one is brought low. Let me explain what's going on there. Verse 9, that's saying humanity, which is trying to exalt itself, is humiliated. And not just humanity in general, every single one of us. So Adam and Ish, both. Both humanity, both general man, and each man and woman. So man is humbled and each one is brought low. And then Isaiah says, do not forgive them. We're going to have to go through judgment for the justification to come. This is a challenging theme from God's word. But the only way we can be saved is for judgment and justice to be done And you could save those selfish, self-aggrandizing people back in Judah 700 years before Jesus come, and we're all going to hell. You understand what I just said? So Isaiah says, do not forgive them. Enter into the rock and hide in the dust and before the terror of the Lord and from the splendor of his majesty. The haughty looks of man shall be brought low. The lawful lofty pride of men shall be humbled and the Lord alone will be exalted in that day for the Lord of hosts has a day against all that is proud and lofty against all that is lifted up and it shall be brought low then poetic and also realistic historical language because the Assyrians are going to take out Lebanon against all the cedars of Lebanon lofty and lifted up and against all the oaks of Bashan against all the lofty mountains and against all the uplifted hills, against every high tower and against every fortified wall and against all the ships of Tarshish and against all the beautiful craft, everything you make and put in and try to fortify yourself in, it's coming down. And the haughtiness of man shall be humbled and the lofty pride of men shall be brought low. And the Lord alone will be exalted on that day. 
and the idols shall utterly pass away, and people shall enter the caves and the rocks and the holes of the ground, and before the terror of the Lord and the splendor of his majesty when he rises to terrify the earth. In that day, mankind will cast away their idols of silver and their idols of gold, which they made for themselves to worship, to the moles and to the bats. That's unclean, okay, unclean. You trust in these idols, they're, they're going to bats and mole. Um, to enter the caverns of the rocks and the clefts of the cliffs from before the terror of the Lord and from the splendor of his majesty when he rises to terrify the earth. Stop regarding man in whose nostrils is breath. For of what account is he? He dies, he's dust, and in the day of the Lord, he is your condemnation, not your salvation. So, the Lord says, 1 Peter 5, verse 6. What should we do? Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, so that in due time he may exalt you. See, we're made to share in his exaltation. But if we try to grab it for ourselves, we're going down. And likewise, in Romans chapter 12, verse 3. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. After calling us to present our bodies as a living sacrifice and not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by renewing in Jesus Christ. God's word through the Apostle Paul says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Man is not the measure of all things. The wisdom of this world is the deception of the deceiver. Trust in the Lord. Walk with him. Stop putting people on pedestals in the name of Jesus Christ, he alone is the one to whom we look for our salvation. All this self-actualization and self-worship, you must not follow, Christian. It is the religion of this age, but you must not follow it. To him alone, look. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen.